Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. For Notre Dame coming up this weekend, we've got a lot, as always. This, of course, the final game before the bye week, midway point of the season. This is game number six. Notre Dame, how are they going to respond after losing their first game of the season, losing their first regular season game in nearly two years, and losing their first home game in a little bit more than four years? We will find out the answers to all those questions tomorrow. Maybe, Jim, we even find out who the quarterback is going to be <laughs> Nah. tomorrow. <laughs> who knows? Nah, I'm, I'm, you know, taking the Chicago Bears approach. Yeah, whatever. You know, we'll just get to it. Yeah, so. maybe they'll just put a blank jersey on him and we won't. He'll be the, <laughs> the masked quarterback, so to speak. <laughs> Robe him up like, uh, like Ric Flair or something, you know? That's right. That's uh. absolutely right. How are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? Doing good. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank. Well, a day early. It's actually tomorrow, oh, okay. but thank you. I know that there's one of those email work chains going around <laughs> <laughs> right now. I just opened up my email, and there's like 19 messages for you. So, you know, hey, yeah. all right. It's the, uh, well, your birthday's <laughs> on a weekend, so everybody happy, and I appreciate all the birthday wishes. So thank you. Thank you very much. Another another year older, creeping right up there. So. 28, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. How'd you know? Yep. Just taking a guess. Don't look a day over 29 <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we've each got uh, some questions we're going to float to the other today, but I'll just remind everybody of what our game day coverage looks like tomorrow. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech, 7.30 Eastern time kickoff, and our coverage tomorrow here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT starts at 1 o'clock with a replay of the Brian Kelly Show from 2 to 4, it's the game day show with Tim Growl, Vince D'Addario, and plenty of guests. From 4 to 6.30, it's going to get a little bit complicated tomorrow. It's Darren Pritchett and I for the first hour game day sports beat from 4 until 6 o'clock. And then Darren's got to take off to go do the uh, Notre Dame hockey season opener. And so Vince D'Addario is going to jump on for a little bit. And, you know, we've got our own guest that we'll have on that show as well so it'll be Darren and I then it'll be Vince and I and then we'll go into the Notre Dame Radio Network's National Tailgate show at 6.30 7.30 Notre Dame and Virginia Tech kickoff from Blacksburg and then after the game Evan Sharpley and I have the postgame show so that is what tomorrow looks like 
do you get to work with enough people tomorrow, or do you, I know, I do guess, you need me to pop in at all? Or It's like, yeah, 90% <laughs> of the station <laughs> right. I'll be working with tomorrow, now that you mentioned it, right? <laughs> by the time it's all said and done. So that's what tomorrow looks like, and don't forget, the game is going to be televised on the ACC Network. That is uh, Channel 612 on DirecTV. That's about all I know. I know a lot of people don't get um, ACC Network still. So if you don't get it, Sports Radio 960 WSBT is the place to be all day long. Yep. <clears throat> like it, me. I mean, it is anyway. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just Pre-game, saying. post-game, game coverage, <laughs> the whole thing. As That's I try to keep my correct. job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> As all of us do. As right. all of us do. Right. All right. What do you got for me today, Jim? Uh, okay. So, uh, how you feeling after last week? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Pretty much. How am I feeling? Yeah. How you feeling after uh, after after the Cincinnati win? You know, was, was it as expected as you thought it was? Was it? Uh, you know, kind of, kind of a, a wake up call for the, you know, like your, you know, how, how do you feel about the Cincinnati game and moving forward with the rest of the season? I was going to say, you know, it's my birthday and you've seen my gray hair. So, you know, like, <laughs> you know, my back isn't getting any better, but I didn't have to take any snaps last week. So it didn't make That's my true. back any worse. That's true. <laughs> so, Very true. So, I mean, you know, from that aspect, I'm feeling good. Um, I think we all knew that it was going to be a tough test for him last week against Cincinnati. And I think the shame of the whole thing was it it came down to turnovers, you know? Yeah. And I know that a bulk, the bulk of the blame is getting heaped on Jack Cohn, but two other guys committed turnovers as well. And while Jack Cohn's turnover – potentially took points off the board even though there's nothing guaranteed in that situation you'd like to assume that as close as they were in the way they were moving the ball they were going to score a touchdown and if they didn't get a touchdown they would kick a field goal but let's not forget Jonathan Dorr missed an extra point mm-hmm. later in the game so nothing was guaranteed although we can safely assume I think that they were destined for at least three points on that drive those three points did not cost the game the bigger turn in the game was the Tyler Buckner interception that, uh, you know, you can argue was just as bad as Jack Cohn's. I mean, maybe more forgivable because it's a a freshman with less experience and all that kind of stuff. And then then the Chris Tyree muffed kickoff, you know, the fumble on the kickoff. My goodness, it's like Mm -hmm. you go from he's one of the heroes two weeks ago against Wisconsin with the 96-yard kickoff return, the first kickoff return, for a touchdown we've seen in five years and then boom he gives one up last week and so those two plays the Buckner fumble and the uh the Chris Tyree fumble led to 10 points defense played great you know the defense held Virginia or uh, Cincinnati to a field goal after the Tyree fumble the defense was great all day now Cincinnati did hit some chunk plays downfield I think it was like six plays of of 20-plus yards or something like that, including a couple 40-plus yard passing plays. So that did rear its head a little bit. But, I mean, we said going in, it was going to be the best quarterback Notre Dame was going to see all season. It was going to be the best defense Notre Dame was going to see all season. And as a result, it was a little bit ugly. Um, 
So there are some questions to answer this weekend. That's for sure. I, I think I, I, I'm not going to, you know, I picked Notre Dame to win. I don't know if I was talked into it maybe <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just like, because I, I even said, okay, let's tamp the brakes on this whole Wisconsin thing because yeah. they won the fourth quarter. It was, a, you know, a grinder, a slugfest for three quarters of that game. The, the, the final result of that game, the final score of that game, was not indicative of how the majority of that game was played. But, you know, bigger picture now, we've got a quarterback controversy heading into this weekend. And based on the things that we're hearing, you know, John Hoffman just said it, and I've, I've, I've heard it, and <clears throat> I've been thinking it the same myself. I don't know if people are going to be any happier at the start of tomorrow's game when Notre Dame takes the field mm. <laughs> offensively for the first time. <laughs> so, there you go. All right. Kind of that that last part of it kind of leads into my next question. Sure. Um, how many heads is the quarterback monster going to have? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be two? Are they just going to go with one guy? How many, how many heads on the quarterback monster now? I mean, I think you asked me last week, if we would see all three, and I didn't think there was a chance that we would see yeah. all three. I thought that whoever he started would be the guy that, that, he, that they would ride with for the entire game and that we would probably see Tyler Buckner here and there. Um, that obviously did not happen, but, you know, mm-hmm. Cone gets bent or, yeah, Cone gets benched at halftime. We see Pine the entire second half, and we see Buckner parts of each game. I, I just – you know, again, we're not going to know until tomorrow. I would assume, like, let, let's look at it this way. I would assume that if Drew Pine starts, and that is who the vast majority of people want to start, think who should start because of his mobility, because of the fact that even though he's still a little bit of a work in progress, you know, he gives them more mobility and, and some of those different his completion percentage is not as good as Jack Cohn. Even though mm-hmm. Jack Cohn really struggled, Drew Pine has still only completed 50% of his passes. But he's led him on three touchdown drives, two of them last week, one of them the week before. Now, the one the week before, of course, was a short field after the strip sack against Wisconsin, but they still capitalized. They, you know, they got into the end zone. They didn't settle for a field goal. Um, I would think if Drew Pine starts, we're going to see Pine the whole game, or, you know, for the majority of the game, with spurts of Buckner. I wouldn't think that, you know, unless there's an injury that they would go back to Jack Cohn. Mm. If Jack Cohn starts, I think that all bets are off. I think that we could see all three again because we saw Jack Cohn last week. He really struggled. You know, again, it's the best defense they face. Virginia Tech's going to be a good defense tomorrow too, and that's what scares me. But, like, when you start to listen to some of the things that Brian Kelly has talked about, and then you listen to the fact that there are reports that Cone was getting the majority of snaps with the first team during practice this week. I mean, if Drew Pine's going to be the starter, you're not going to give him 40% of the reps and Jack Cone 60% of the reps. Yeah, that's, so that's, I, a, that's a terrible mentality right there to have. Yeah, exactly. So there's something to be read into that. If those reports are true, and you know, like when you hear those reports, typically they're coming from people inside the program who are, you know, given their off-the-record stuff to you know to different reporters and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think if Jack Cohn starts, there's a good chance that we end up seeing all three again because I just – I don't know how Jack Cohn is going to look any better than what we saw last week because, again, 
it's not like Virginia's Tech's defense is a slouch. They've got their share of sacks as well. They sacked Sam Howell uh, uh, six times in the season opener against North Carolina, Mm -hmm. you know, so that they, they got six sacks against him. Now that's the majority of the sacks that they've had this season, but they're only allowing like 15 and a half points per game. So they're a good defense too. They're, you know, they're, they're not quite to the level of Cincinnati, but look, this is, this is a team that has given up 22 sacks this season. Toledo got sacks on Notre Dame. Florida state got sacks on Notre Dame. Purdue got sacks on Notre Dame. No one's, you know, putting those, none of those teams are top 25 teams. Virginia Tech has at least beaten a team with a good quarterback, North Carolina, and they sacked him six times. So, again, based on what we saw last week, that's what scares me the most because this is the analogy that I made. My Top Gun analogy is Jack Cohn right now is Maverick in Top Gun after Goose got killed. He is just like he's got this dazed look about him. It's kind of wandering, you know. Yeah, he won't pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, look at the from look at the, the the bad interception that he threw. You know, bad decisions on that that interception on the first drive of the game, and then by the end of the first half, he's not even trying to engage in going downfield. He's checking down to running backs. It's all checkdowns and all this different stuff. It's just he he just he doesn't look like the same guy that we saw in the opener against Florida State, and he shouldn't look like the same guy that we saw in the opener against Florida State because he's not the most mobile guy. And he has just been sacked time after time after time again. So I just, I don't know. But it sounded like that's where we could be headed again tomorrow. So it's, and listening to Brian Kelly yesterday, it sounds like experience is is still the thing that he is leaning on going into this environment. Another tough night road environment, Blacksburg, you know, similar to, to Florida State and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Again, you know, the majority of people, I think if you polled them, would be saying Drew Pine, but it doesn't matter what the majority says. All that matters is what, what one Ryan guy Kelly says, and yeah. Tommy Reese have <laughs> right. to say about right. it. That's right. Right. How, uh, how long of a leash do you think he has? You know, again, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Because if you're going to go with him, because the comments that Brian Kelly said last week is we have to get off this flavor of the week mentality. So are you going to ride Jack Cohn through thick and thin? You know, because they only got till halftime last week, and that was a home game, and then they brought him out of there. So I just don't know. You know, I think we kind of talked – was it you and I we were talking – was it you and I talking baseball – the other day about no it was bobby and i bobby hensley and i speaking of you know like how many people that i work with over the course of the week <laughs> since i've got different rapid fire co-hosts with me every day right. it's like what well, you know it was the it was the garrett cole versus native aldi game and we mm-hmm. were talking about it's it's a one game winner take all playoff and in those situations you've got to have a short hook for your pitchers and and bobby was saying well you know so so what you know what does that mean how soon you know so so, like, if you've got runners at first and second and the third, well, it's not necessarily the situation, you know, because it's like if the Red Sox were hitting, you know, little slow dribblers off Cole and a couple guys get on, okay, you know, you you try yeah. to ride through that. But that's not how Cole looked the other night. <laughs> no, he was getting it, tattooed. Yeah, yeah, he got rocked. Yeah. And when you know, you know. And so, I, you know, like as, as I apply it to Jack Cohn, it's like if you see him 
make a couple of those bad decisions, you know, like the interception that he had last week or like the Toledo pick six kind of interception. When you know, you know. It's 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 time to get him out of there. But if if they go with him, they obviously feel like his intangible, that experience, is going to override some of these mistakes that he's made. You know, I, I still go back to the fact that if Jack Cohn had last year's offensive line, we wouldn't be having these conversations. You know, it, he would be – I mean, he would honestly – He'd think it was great. Yeah, I mean, he would be he would be lighting up opposing yeah. defenses. It, it would just look so much different if he had last year's offensive line, or even, you know, probably like the line from 2019, which was not that great. But they were a good pass blocking unit. They just weren't that great at run blocking. Last mm-hmm. year's line, which was the same line as 2019. They got better, and now, you know, it, it turns out based on stuff we've heard this week that there were other reasons for that, like the old offensive line coach working with those guys and, and with Chris Watt, who was on the staff, and all those different things. But but my, my point is, if Jack Cohn had a competent offensive line and better pass protection in front of him, it would look a lot different. He would look a lot different. We wouldn't be having these conversations about who needs to be the quarterback because he would be sacked probably half as many times they would be averaging at least 150 160 rushing yards per game as opposed to 80 yards per game and 2.3 per carry so it would you know because that's part of protection as well is, is having a run game that you can lean on and that's 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 a big part of the problem is it's not just pass protection but it's also the fact that they can't run the ball effectively and that ultimately affects his protection back there as well he's just been hit too much this year all right again i don't know if i answered your question but there's there's just so much that goes into it and just like the way this seems yeah. to be pointing you know and and maybe it's all maybe it's all a smoke screen maybe it's a guy's i don't know because like brian kelly also said earlier in the week oh you guys will do some good reporting you'll figure it out and now these reports are coming out that it's sounding like it's going to be jack cone so Maybe, you know, maybe maybe there's doing, a fourth guy. Maybe we're doing Jedi <laughs> mind tricks. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's there's right. a fourth guy nobody even knows about. They've just kept him in a closet this whole time. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> All right, fill in the blank. All right. Saturday's loss to Cincinnati means blank for Notre Dame's season, Jim. Ah, uh, means blank. Let's see. Uh, to me, not much. Because I was kind of expecting it. Like, I was prepared for, for Cincinnati to come in and, and look as good as they did. Uh, you know, I, I, I just haven't thought that this team was going to be making the playoff anyway. You know, I, I've, right. I've, I've been able to, you know, each week I've been able to, to rattle off four teams that are better than Notre Dame that are probably going to wind up in the playoff. And, you know, again, this week continues that trend. So... Does it kind of hurt them as far as maybe getting to a New Year's Six Bowl? Maybe. I don't think so. You know, I don't think one loss is going to do that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Cincinnati continues on this string that they're on and if Notre Dame, you know, basically just runs the table the rest of the way. Uh, you know, I, I, I think any sort of bowl committee, you know, in the New Year's Six would be absolutely crazy not to include Notre Dame in, in one of those bowls if that's the situation. But uh yeah, it, it it didn't it really did not mean that much to me as far as as far as Notre Dame season because I was kind of ready for it. 
So Yeah, I mean, what I'm thinking is along the lines of what you're saying right there. We can kind of move on from – you know, this idea that somehow they were going to be yeah. a playoff team. They were going, you know, based on the way they played the first four games, you know, again, yeah, lopsided fourth quarter against Wisconsin, but that was a very, based on the way they played, they were going to lose at some point. It yeah. was a matter of time, mm-hmm. you know. It was, it was going to happen. They were not going to be a playoff team. There's no way you could function the way they were functioning and get through – an entire 12-game season unscathed. Now, maybe that's their only loss because it, you know, was the best team they were going to face all season. Maybe they still lose one or two more. I don't know. But we, you know, we can kind of move on now and and just sort of come to grips. You know, they 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 got it out of the way, so to speak. There's still a lot of room for improvement. They're a flawed team, but they've got seven games remaining where they can still get better, still have things to work for, like being a New Year's Six Bowl team and and that kind of stuff but you know again just with the numbers that I've kind of mentioned 80 rushing yards 2.3 yards per carry that's not a college football playoff team you know the defense can look as good as it is the quarterback situation the Mm -hmm. way it is as a result of what's going on with the line that's not a college football playoff team Mm -hmm. it was a loss was going to happen so now they've got their first how are they going to deal with this and move on. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Right now, because I just, you know, I agree. They were not going to be an undefeated team, and you know, like even Stanford's looking better right now. So. Yeah, they are. They've they've turned things around as far yeah. as uh, as far as their season has gone so far. So right. So seven weeks from now. Yeah. Who, you know, who knows how that's <laughs> right. going to look? Stanford could be playing for the Pac-12 in a, in in seven weeks. So right. Exactly. Okay. So on a scale of one to ten. How much do you consider tomorrow's game a must-win for the Fighting Irish? Six and a half. Solid six and a half. You know, based on based pretty much on what I just said. Uh, you know, a, a six and a half kind of works with that. You know, like they go they go into into Blacksburg. They bit they beat Vatech. Uh, you know, they you know let Ender Sandman play and all that stuff, and then you know actually <laughs> kick off the game. Uh, you know, all that happens and everything goes Notre Dame's way and, you know, the things that needed improvement like pass selection and decision-making and also the offensive line and maybe a little bit of the running game. If all those things improve, awesome. That That's great. That That's what you want out of this week is some sort of improvement. And and like you said, you know, that that uh, that look, you know, how do, how do they react to adversity? Right. That I think is is bigger than possibly the final result. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody's still going to look at the at the at the score of the game and go, "Well, th- this team is exactly who we thought they were." Blah 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 right. blah blah. You know, as far as as far as the media goes, <laughs> right? But um, you know, it's six and a half. You know, see, I put a little bit higher. I think this is a big week for them. You know, just. You know, they they you know, they one they haven't lost back to back games in nearly five years. You have to go this back to that 2016 season, the last time they lost back to back games, and now they've got that 35 game winning streak against unranked teams on the line going into this weekend. And it's not that streak; it's what that streak represents. What that streak is, as much as people want to be critical of Brian Kelly and all that stuff, since 2016, from 2017 through this year included. 
the reason they've got all those seasons, four four straight seasons of double-digit wins, is because they've taken care of business against the unranked teams. They're they're still a ranked team for, you know, even though they lost this last week, they're still a ranked team just outside the top ten, and they've got a 35-game winning streak against unranked teams on the line. So, like games like this, are the difference between do you end up 11 and one, 10 and two, or do you end up nine and three, or you know eight and four? even you know like Vegas thought they were going to be at the start of the year and so that's where that that's why I think this is pretty big you know because again the fact that they haven't lost back-to-back games since that 2016 season the fact that they still do have a lot to play for they still do have a chance to be in a New Year's Six Bowl right. so I put it up at about eight and a half nine even so just because this kind of game right here could really swing things, especially if they do this drop this back-to-back, yeah. going into a bye, and, and then you've got your rival in North Carolina you know, after that. So I, I, I put it a little bit higher. Okay, you've talked me into it. Seven and a half. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right, let's take a timeout. Speaking of Virginia Tech, we will hear from Mike Nizalek from the Roanoke Times coming up here in just a few minutes to, uh, to talk about the Virginia Tech Hokies. It is Leprechaun Lunch. We are presented by First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. First State Bank offers the highest quality products and services. Also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Jerry Madsen and Osceola or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. South Bend Orthopedics. As well as Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape, Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialists. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. At Wings, etc., Grill and Pub, 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Time out, more Leprechaun Lunch coming up right after this on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame and Virginia Tech tomorrow night kickoff at 7.30. And right now we are joined by Mike Nizalik from the Roanoke Times. He covers Virginia Tech. You know, I saw one of your stories. I was just looking at your Twitter feed right before we came on, and it looks like the two offensive lines have something in common. Both of them have an NIL deal with Mission Barbecue. So I don't know what that says, but uh, they'll both. (laughs) It says they're well said. Uh, They do it right there uh, for for that group. So, uh, yeah, they're not uh, struggling for food. That's for sure. That's right. And the offensive lines never should be struggling, you know, for food. (laughs) So, well, you know, I wanted to start. This is year six for Justin Fuente. He was ACC Coach of the Year when he led the Hokies to 10 wins in his first season, they've been a little up and down since then. What what's kind of the vibe on him from the fan base right now? I think frustration. Uh, you know, especially since you know he's an offensive guy or was branded as that. You know, and and, and came up and was kind of that quarterback whisperer, had that kind of guru um, uh, aura around him. You know, having coached Danny Dalton and Paxton Lynch and this offense. You know, and these court this quarterback situation. Um, you know, since Gerard Evans uh, in 2016, that year you mentioned with the 10 wins, it's been kind of 
um, a struggle to kind of replicate that success. And offensively, this year has been kind of a disaster. You know, they, they're <laughs> three and one, um, which, you know, it, it's weird to hear, you know, fan base like, oh, we got to fire a midseason. And it's like, well, they're three yards away from being, you know, a top 15 team. But at the same time, I mean, it is true that this offense has really struggled this year. Um, and fans were hoping this is a veteran team. Uh, fans were hoping for that this would look a little uh, better, uh, you know, as we approach kind of the midway mark of this season already. Well, and some interesting things with their offense, just, just kind of looking at them a little bit. They've got a quarterback, Braxton Burmeister. He transferred in from Oregon, saw some action last year with Hendon Hooker kind of getting the majority of the snaps. But Burmeister's the guy now. Has he been – you know, maybe what they thought they were getting when he transferred to Virginia Tech? Well, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't think fans knew what to expect. You know, it was kind of a quiet deal. You know, he, he played as a true freshman when they had a bunch of injuries there at Oregon. Didn't look great, uh, but actually suffered an AC joint injury to the first snap he played, or first snap of the first start, his first career start. So uh, they didn't. that wasn't something Oregon talked about. So he really struggled throwing the ball. So it wasn't a really talked about moment. You know, they had a big quarterback room with Hennon Hooker and Quincy Patterson, and those guys are kind of looked at as the future. But as the coaches quietly really liked, you know, behind the scenes liked his approach, liked his talent level, thought he was you know, a really smart quarterback that, you know, you know, having to sit out a year, got to learn the offense, and we're really excited uh, what he could bring to the table. And he hasn't really uh, you know, had glimpses of that last year when he was kind of thrown into the lineup to start the season and kind of at the end of the year. This year hasn't played as loose, doesn't look as sort of comfortable, um, and, and, you know, still can show flashes. I mean, makes plays with his legs. I mean, there was a uh, play a couple weeks ago, third and 24, you know, he dodged five defenders, and those are plays you just can't kind of coach. But at the same time, you know, in the passing game, it's just it's been a it's just been not good. You know, he's not um, looking downfield, not reading the offense very well, um, and it's really kind of made it a very one-dimensional kind of offense here. Um, you know, through four weeks. Well, and Hooker transferred to Tennessee after last year. He had eligibility left. Left, I believe it was a grad transfer. He used if they had it. If they had it to do all over again, would would he still be in Blacksburg? Do you think? I think we'll see. I think that story's yet to be written, right? I mean, uh, you know, he had a really good game last week. They didn't beat Florida with him at the start. But, I mean, at the same time, it's funny. You know, it, what's interesting is they have two starters elsewhere starting quarterback. Uh, Quincy Patterson's actually starting at North Dakota State. So there's kind of this, uh, you know, comparison going on every week between these quarterbacks. Sure, I bet. Um, and one thing, you know, you know, Tennessee picked Joe Milton, and he didn't get there till August. So it wasn't like the coaches there thought they had the answer either. So it's very interesting how that's kind of shaken out. So we'll see. But, I mean, I, if, you know, Hendon gets that team to 8-4 and four in a bowl and, and, and Tech kind of falls short. I mean, I think it's obvious that's going to be, you know, they're going to say they made a mistake, you know, in who they kind of picked and put, you know, their sort of confidence behind. But at the same time, uh, the Coastal is still for the taking, so they, you know, they could easily win this division in, the, in an ACC that's really bad this year. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. We're talking with Mike Nizalik from the Roanoke Times, covers Virginia Tech. And, you know, looking at that offense, it's still better than Notre Dame, 3.6 yards per carry right now. But, you know, 3.6 is obviously not a really good number in college football. So they're not running the ball well. 
it seems. You kind of mentioned, you know, some issues with the passing game. Do you think they have the ability to challenge Notre Dame's defense downfield? Because, it, you know, it, it seems like that has definitely been where, where Notre Dame can be hit, you know, with, with some passing plays and stuff like that. No better than they, they run the ball. What do you think? They're going to have to try. I mean, and I think this was two years ago. What Notre Dame did was said, you know, when, when Quincy started that game in South Bend, they just said, you know, you could try to beat us on the other. We're going to stack the box, and that's how you're going to try to, you know, you could right. try to throw deep, and if you can, you know, so be it. But uh, they couldn't. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be the same way this week. I think Notre Dame's going to play. Uh, I mean, I would anticipate them being aggressive until Virginia Tech can prove that they can, you know, take advantage of some of the other stuff that they might leave open or leave gaps in. You know, the, this team, Tech lost James Mitchell, the tight end, uh, for the season to an ACL injury. He was kind of a, I think it would have been a huge mismatch and a huge kind of big play guy in a game like this, but he's gone. They have Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson. Those are kind of the receivers you'd probably look at and say, you know, they have the speed and athleticism to get down there. It's just can Braxton kind of connect? Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be a real challenge to do that, and I think Notre Dame would be smart to just sort of say, uh, we're going to sell out on the run because we don't think you can get the ball downfield. And if they can, then you, you kind of adjust. Right. Exactly. Now, looking at their offensive line, I'll let you say the the name Silas. What's his last name? Janzy. Janzy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, 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 I couldn't find a pronunciation guide, unfortunately, in time. But uh, yeah, okay. So he he's their starting right tackle. He was out there last game versus Richmond, which was a couple of weeks ago because they had the bye last week. And I know Justin Fuente uh, wouldn't say at his press conference whether or not he's going to play. How big a deal is that for the Hokies if he is out for this game? Uh, well, the starting lineup they had last week, um, you know, they moved about three guys around to different positions, um, but they all kind of had – it wasn't as sort of, you know, as monumental of a thing as you'd think. One guy had played right tackle last year. Um, you know, one guy was capable of playing all three positions on the interior. So I don't think it's like a huge deal. I think if he's healthy – they could go with two full different kind of looks on the offensive line um, and, and try to mix it up and see which one kind of gives them uh, more production. I, I think it could be kind of a feel-it-out um, thing in the first half, and then the second half you kind of ride uh, whichever uh, offensive line is playing better. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I think Silas is, is healthier. Uh, you know, he was in a boot most of the, the previous week, and, and he wasn't this week. Um, and so I think his practice participation has increased. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's different between you know, how comfortable do they feel with him out there against, you know, you know Notre Dame in a primetime stage. Sure. Um, you know, they might be cautious. So, um, you know, it's not a huge drop-off, but, but something to watch in terms of that, that could change their plans. Um, and, and they could split time with a lot of those guys and try to rotate instead of just going with one line if he's healthy and back. I mean, coming out of the gate this season, they made a, a pretty good splash when they beat North Carolina, like you mentioned. Sam Howell had three interceptions in that game. I think they sacked him six times. How how were they able to put the clamps down so hard on him in that game? That game, they did generate a lot of pressure up front. Um, you know, mixed in some 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 blitzes and did a really nice job of keeping him uncomfortable. Uh, which the year before they couldn't do at all. I mean, he was just able to stand back there and, and kind of pick his poison. Um, this year, got got pressure, uh, made a move around the pocket, and uh, Amari Barno uh, had a big game. Their their defensive tackles got up, got a lot of push, uh, but they also, you know, the secondary uh, made them hold on to the ball. I mean, there weren't a lot of open windows to to throw anywhere. So I mean, it was really a, a kind of a 
full defensive effort to kind of limit him because, as you've seen, he's still capable of you know putting up just monster numbers um, against teams. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was kind of a um, you know everybody was kind of on their game that that week at week one. They they have a pretty good defense on paper anyway. What would you say is the strength of that defense right now? I really like how their secondary is playing. You know, Jermaine Waller, a guy who was out last year with a bunch of different injuries, only played two games, is back. He's kind of their star corner. All ACC mentioned two years ago, kind of got overshadowed by Caleb Farley a little bit, but he's really good. And with him in, they, they developed Dorian Strong last year, was a true freshman who's playing well. They actually got three guys, um, and they're, they're on third downs and passing downs. They're going to um, you know, five, an extra DB and, and only one linebacker, and they've really kind of given teams problems with that. Uh, there haven't been very many open windows because the, their safeties are playing well too. I think it starts with, you know, the, if they can get a little pressure, that secondary is good enough where teams are really having problems kind of throwing the ball. You know, West Virginia kind of gashed them early in that game with a lot of quick screens and things, and, and um, they adjusted to that in the second half, shut them out. So. Um, it's interesting to see. I mean, that was really the first half against West Virginia is really the only kind of letdown they've had all season. But otherwise, I mean, they haven't very lot, very many points. Yeah, I mean, I'm listening to you talk about the defense, and I and I'm thinking about this matchup with Notre Dame, and you know, it it just kind of what I was thinking before you said that that it seems like this is it, this shakes up to be kind of a grinder of a game with with points at a premium is that kind of maybe what you're thinking going into this oh yeah and and you know i mentioned that game two years ago and that game you know tech almost won because that special t- or the uh, defensive touchdown they got from divine diablo that right the fumble at the goal line he returned at 98 yards that's the kind of play that feels like in this game could kind of be you know that or a special teams touchdown you know i know notre dame's playing good special teams got some really talented returners uh, Tech's gotten some big kick returns this year already. Uh, had a punt return for a touchdown last uh, two weeks ago against Richmond. You know, one of those plays could really turn the tide and make a difference, especially when your offense is struggling. Um, so I kind of view it as that. Like if if that can happen, you know, for Tech uh, on Saturday, I mean, it could really help them and give them a cushion because you know the offense that they, they it just it hasn't been very good. And so I think if you can give them a little confidence, give them a little cushion might be able to play a little looser, um, which would help. So, yeah, I think those could play – it could come down to that, where if, the, if a defense, you know, intercepts for a turn for a touchdown or something like that, that, that could be the difference uh, in this, this matchup between the teams. So, Mike, is there a particular matchup maybe you're looking at most closely going into this game that you think could be pivotal? Well, we talked to uh, linebacker, starting linebacker Dax Hollyfield today. And, you know, one of the things that they kind of had a letdown early, they allowed a huge rushing touchdown against West Virginia. Um, and, and two early drives, you know, they were down in a hole 14 nothing. And uh, Chris Tyree feels like a guy that could score early and, and kind of give Notre Dame the, the momentum, and, and this team's not built to come from behind. So uh, getting a, you know, making sure you contain – I know they haven't run the ball well, but making sure you kind of keep the linebackers – do a good job of containing the run game early especially to not let Notre Dame get ahead because, like I said, I don't think this team, Virginia Tech, is, is built to sort of kind of try to claw back in these games almost did against West Virginia, but when you're spotting a team a touchdown or two um, and your offense just can't, can't kind of get anything going, uh, it, it's, really, it's really hard to win games. Yep, absolutely. Mike Nizelik from the Roanoke Times covering the Virginia Tech Hokies. Mike, we appreciate your time once again. Good to talk to you, and uh, enjoy the game Saturday night. Sounds good. Yeah, right. absolutely. Enjoy it. Thanks right. for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Mike Nizelik from the Roanoke Times. You can read your, read his stuff there. Just go online to the Roanoke Times. That's all you've got.
to do. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we will continue with Leprechaun Lunch. Jim is going to have some uh, some sports wagering props for the weekend for us. We've got, I mean, you talk about your sports weekends. You've got the NFL. You've got college football. You've got the baseball playoffs. I mean, it is happening right now. So we will do that when we return to the Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT along with Jimmy Rosari. I'm Sean Styers. We are presented by First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner. First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values. Some of our other presenting sponsors include Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. Also, Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots, a variety of table games, including live poker, Four Winds Casinos. Legacy Heating and Air, your clean air specialist, South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings, etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. And I believe that does it, Jim. What have you got prop-wise for us this weekend with so much going on? Well, first of all, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech still at uh, a point. A point fa- uh, points on the spread. Virginia Tech actually looking like the favorite. This started like a week ago. This was at like four and a half. And wow. it's gotten all the way down to... Half a point, full point, depending on where you go. Yep. So uh, the over-under on the game, 46 and a half for this game. That's about what I'm looking at. That's Me too. I just I don't think it's going to be I, – I don't think I would go over on that right now because, like I said earlier, these are both – Notre Dame's a really good defense. Virginia Tech is a pretty good defense, and both offenses, as you know, as we were talking about with Mike Nyselik there a minute ago, both offenses are challenged <laughs> in part. So, <laughs> that, that is putting it nicely, yes. Yes, yes. So I don't think I would go over on that number. All right, I am trying to find the uh, – there it is, Penn State, Iowa State. That is a two-point uh, difference there. Iowa the favorite, of course, this game going to be at Iowa, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, four o'clock kick on that. Uh, the total for that is 41, and that is right on for me too. Yeah, and that – I mean, uh, 41 is obviously lower. I don't know if I would touch that because it's so low, but yeah. – Based on how Penn State games have gone, like if you look at Penn State and Wisconsin games, you know, again, throw out Notre Dame's fourth quarter, it's like, man, there's there not a lot of points scored in either one of those games, and Iowa's not exactly an offensive juggernaut either. So, right. I, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's a number too low for me to touch, I think. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that over-under right there, but – that's that's about how many points will probably be scored. <laughs> <laughs> Overcast 75, by the way, in uh, in Iowa City tomorrow. Uh, and also just a stat for you, too, as far as this game goes. Penn State, 106th in the country in red zone efficiency. Oof. Iowa's defense in the red zone, 101st. Really? Yeah. I was like, huh, something's got to give on that. Yeah, no Don't kidding. you think? Yeah. So... 
But, uh, yeah, everything else is just, you know, uh, Iowa's 14th in the country. They're 11th in, in, in turnovers for the defense anyway. Uh, and Penn State, they, they commit a fair amount of turnovers too. 26th in the country as far as turnovers go. So, whew. As, uh, that's what my dad would say anyway. Whew. <laughs> 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 Uh, let's see. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the NFL. Of course, uh, you know we've got the Bears. Justin Fields is going to be starting. A quick fantasy note about Justin Fields: um, if you're relying on him to turn your fantasy season around, oof, that is a bad uh, you year. Might wanna, you're, yeah. you're having a terrible year, and you yeah. might as well just cash it in now. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from Justin Fields. That's just the fact that you're putting a rookie quarterback as your as your main guy. Like, I, I wouldn't do that. Justin Fields may be a very good bye week guy. Right. You know? Right. But uh, I, I don't I don't see Justin Fields being a starter in fantasy, at no, least I, yeah, at I this mean, point. They won last week, but it's yeah. not like Justin Fields put up monster numbers by right. any means. I, I think that there's still going to be a lot of growing pains with that offense. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, I just with, – with Matt Nagy – Running to you know, just look at the growing. You know, the Bears won some games at least for for a couple of years with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, yeah. they got to the playoffs a couple of times. Right. But it's not like it's not like he turned in, you know, stellar. You know, he had some games every now and then, but it's not like he turned in stellar offensive performances game after game. And I mean, that's why they've got Justin Fields, I guess, right now. But I don't know. There's nothing that there's nothing I saw last week yet. That's you know would make me want him for my fantasy team at this point. Right. Prop for that game, by the way, for Justin Fields, over under on pass attempts at thirty and a half. Ooh. Against the Raiders. Yeah. Might have to go under on that. I think so too. Yeah. I think that's a good way to go. Right. <laughs> here's. Here. I think I think a fun kind of prop here. Okay. Uh, a, a prop for Derek Carr of the Raiders tomorrow. All right. All right. Rushing yards. Five and a half is the line. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man. Five and a half. Five and a half. I'd go over on that just yeah. for the heck of it. Yeah. I, like I'm not I'm not going far over, you know? I'm thinking yeah. something in maybe like the seven range. You know, I mean, I'm, that's I'm, so low. It's just amazing yeah, that that right. is even a line. <laughs> like, like that, like, and and that's just off of it. Like, I'm not looking at any specific app for that. Like, I'm just looking off of general information as far as as far as the props go on that. It's just like, what five and a half for rushing yards for Derek Carr? Okay, man. You know where where can I place that bet? Yeah, no kidding. So. Uh, Colts and uh, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are a six and a half game, uh, six and a half favorite on uh, on Monday Night Football for this week. Uh, over under set at uh, forty five and a half. I would probably go under on that. I think so as well. Yeah, I think so as well. However, yeah, I'm trying to think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just, I was just gonna get to a, to a prop real quick to a okay, couple of other ahead. props. Hit it. Uh, Hollywood Brown longest reception over under twenty two and a half yards. Hmm. I'd go over. Yeah, that's that's pretty safe. He he, he likes to make he, he likes to go for the bombs as it he were. does. So you know and and 
That's why they call him Hollywood, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just all he does really is is just go for the. He's he's the guy that they put on the long routes. You know, just mm-hmm. hey, head towards the end zone. Just go there. That's right. Go. Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> Meantime, as far as uh, receptions go, this is ridiculous. Sammy Watkins line is nineteen and a half. Nineteen and a half receptions. Receptions. If I'm looking at this right, receptions. Yeah, wow. yeah. This says receptions. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's an easy under for yeah. me. I mean, I mean, there aren't I mean, too many receivers who have had twenty catches in a game. Right. <laughs> who Who's putting up that line? Quite odd. Like, where Where is that line coming from? Yeah. So. Whew. Hmm. Uh. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. Carson Wentz, over under 21.9 as far as pass completions. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. 20 and a half is the line for Carson 20 Wentz. 20 and a half completions? 20. Yeah. Hmm. I'd go under, I think, on Carson Wentz. Just yeah. Just the way they've been playing so far. Yeah. Yeah, I would, t- I, I would too. His, uh, his counterpart, uh, Lamar Jackson, over under set at 18 and a half. I think I'd go under for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, Lamar's going to get out of the pocket and run around a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well, a lot more than Carson Wentz is going to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, that uh, that does it as far as that game goes. And then uh, Giants-Cowboys, our two teams. Oh, yes. Yeah. I forgot we had a head-to-head this weekend. Yeah, That's we do. Right. Uh, Cowboys favored by seven. Not a big shock. It's in Dallas. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. 52 <laughs> points, the t- point total. I think it's going to be over. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. Do you think y- – you tell me. How are you feeling about the Giants' offense right uh, now? Can they <laughs> score? I mean, it's, it, it seems to me like it's Saquon and, and Saquon. And, <laughs> I mean, Daniel Jones had 400 yards passing last week, too. Yeah. So. But who'd they play? The Saints. The Saints. In New Orleans. Talk about a weird team. Like That is a just, weird team. How they how they beat the Packers the way they did in the opener, and they have just looked really bad since then. Yeah, like just wildly inconsistent. Like they'll they'll look good on some series, and they'll look like absolute dog crap on others. Like yeah. in the same game. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Like like and like noticeably different too. Like it's it's just like you know, well here's a series where they pushed them three and out, and they did it again the following series, and now they've got. 13 guys on the field, they can't figure out who the personnel is. What? Why? <laughs> so, uh, rush attempts for Saquon, 13 and a half, over under. I'd go over. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, they're they're still relying a lot on, on Saquon, and he looks like he's back, so I would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's what I got. All right. Sounds good. Good stuff as always, Jim. And, of course, Jim hosts the Money Line. He'll have that coming up at 7 o'clock here tonight on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Vince D'Addario and I will be down at Wawasee. We've got Mishawaka against Wawasee football. 6.45 pregame kicking off at 7 o'clock over on 96.1. The ton and, of course, a day full of Notre Dame football coming up tomorrow. Good stuff as always, Jim. I will uh, talk to you later tonight sometime. WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 